evening and welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming, welcoming you to the show. It is Wednesday, October 12th, 2016. I hope everybody's having a great week. We're broadcasting live from our Guys Guys studio in Harlem, New York City, USA. And wow, what a crazy month this has been. Here we are in New York. Um, we've had some, uh, we had some bad weather over the weekend, and now it's really nice. We have a, a, a great fall that we're looking at, and uh, we're going to keep that going until daylight savings comes, because then it starts to get dark real early. In fact, it's dark outside our studio right now, and it keeps getting darker by one minute every day until uh, the winter solstice on December 21st. And then it starts going the other way again. But we're going to get a double whammy because in about two weeks from now, uh, at the end of uh, uh, daylight savings, then we fall back an hour and then it gets dark really early. And then we get into those cold winter months in the Northeast. Anyhow, we have a great show tonight. Our guest is Dr. Roger Teal. He has a fantastic book called This Life is Joy that just came out in paperback. And uh, the hardcover book's been out for about a year. We had Dr. Teal on uh, at that time uh, for a great discussion on uh, religious philosophy, spirituality, and how to kind of make the best out of, out of one's life. And he had some illuminating uh, insights to share with us. So we have him back tonight, and I look forward to bringing him on in a couple of moments. Um, let's talk a little bit about what's going on. Um, you know, we've got uh, the baseball playoffs now. It looks like the Chicago Cubs are into the uh, the final four, if you will, and they'll play either the Dodgers or the Nationals. And then we've got in the American League, we've got the Cleveland Indians and the Toronto Blue Jays. So we have some new teams this year. So that's refreshing. Um, and we'll see what happens. We'll see if the Cubs can go all the way. They haven't, I think it's been 100 years uh, or 90, maybe it's like 1908, something like that. But the Cubs go back a long, long time since they've won the World Series. And I know the Boston Red Sox had kind of that, the Red Sox curse, they called it. And they finally broke through in 2004. And since then, they've won three World Series. So we'll see what happens. It looks like the ingredients are there for the Cubs, but you never know. You never know in baseball and in sports. Um, I want to talk to you about um, our special feature now that we have called the Guys Guys Guide. Um, each show, uh, instead of kind of doing a whole roundabout on all the news, maybe I'll pick one or two things out that I want to mention. Uh, but then I want to talk about one subject and then we'll bring our guest on. So for Guys Guys Guide, um, we'll either draw from a blog post, uh, one of the over 250 that I have on my website, robertmanny.com. That's uh, M-A-N-N-I.com. Um, also, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Robert Manny Author, uh, and all of our Guys Guys Radio podcasts are available on Blog Talk Radio. You can download it on iTunes also, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. And uh, it all started with our book, the novel, The Guys Guys Guide to Love, which is still out there. Probably your best place to pick it up is on, uh, on one of the, from one of the e-tailers, uh, Amazon, etc. And you can check out our, uh, our reviews on Amazon also before you pick it up. And you can pick up the digital download or the physical copy of the book. And uh, our whole movement, which is about when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins, and Better Men, Better World, is all about what the Guys Guys brand and movement has been. 
And as part of that, I want to take on some of the insights that I've written about over the past couple of years. And uh, so last week, we talked about why I gave up eating meat and some of the benefits of that. And all these things are all for your consideration. And, you know, I'm not going to preach to you. You have to make your own choices. It's all about choices. It's all about this or that, this or that, this or that. Sometimes it looks like we don't have that many choices, but we always do have a choice. And tonight, for some reason, I was, you know, sitting there with my pad and figuring out, like, what do I want to talk about tonight for just a few moments? And then I thought for the Guys Guys Guide, I want to talk about positivity and, and particularly in relationship to this upcoming election, because, you know, we're in the final countdown with our election and it's uh, November 8th and we're on October 12th. And as you saw from the last debate, it got pretty rough and it's getting rougher. And if you follow social media, if you're on uh, Facebook or Twitter or any of the any of the other social media uh, platforms, um, you can see how tough it's getting and all of the rancor and all of the hate and disagreement there are between the two parties and a lot of people throwing their hands up in the air basically saying we need a third party and uh, I think there's going to be some good things that come out of the election regardless of who wins Uh, let's put it this way if uh, Hillary Clinton wins um, you'll have the first woman president Uh, you'll have a uh, extension of uh, uh, Obama's policies in many ways and um, a lot of people want that. Uh, more people have gotten health care. There's been some issues with uh, how Obamacare works. Um, the economy has kind of made a long turn. It's taken about eight years to get there, but we seem to be in a better position than we were eight years ago, etc. If Trump wins, then you've got a lot of uh, change probably. Whether he can get things done, I don't know, but there's a lot of angry people out there. A lot of people who are disappointed with their lot in life, and they're looking for him to be their change agent. And uh, a lot of them that I've spoken to uh, or corresponded with, they don't care if, uh, you know, if it's good change or bad change or whatever. They just want something different. And so if he gets in there, it'll be different. Now, whether he can get things done or not, I don't know. I don't necessarily agree with his policies, but he does have a function, in my view, uh, to highlight some of the things that are going on in the status quo. Is he, uh, you know, the right person? And does he have the right temperament? Does he have the right style to bring about those changes? That's doubtful. And I think that's going to become his undoing. But he is bringing a light onto some of the situations that are out there that people are upset about. And uh, he's really stoking the flames now. And um, I think we're going to see things get really ugly in the next uh, couple of weeks leading up to the election, whether it's more WikiLeaks, whether it's more, you know, leaked recordings with Donald Trump, because listen, he was a, uh, he hasn't been in government. He was a, you know, an entertainer, basically a builder and an entertainer. And there's gotta be a lot of garbage on him that um, the Clinton people have picked up on. And the, it seems like since June 1st, almost to the day, in fact, to the day, releasing more and more stuff on him just as an, on an ongoing basis and timing it, you know, brilliantly in terms of having an impact. And uh, now we've got WikiLeaks on the other side, uh, you know, releasing things about her. And people are really riled up. And if you look at social media, as I was saying, um, it's very much, there's a lot of uh, negativity out there, a lot of finger pointing and a lot of hate. Now, the, the third option that I talked about was a third party where now people are saying, 
screw the Democrats and the Republicans. We need to start over. We need a change. I have to agree with the fact that, you know, when you've got two parties only in this country, and it's a big country, and they are privately functioning entities. They are, you know, they're not public entities. They're private entities. And um, they pretty much squashed everybody else. So it's really been almost impossible for a third party to get traction. I think, though, what we've had, you know, Nader in, Nader in 2000, and now, uh, now we have uh, this uh, Gary Johnson uh, and Jill Stein, and even Bernie Sanders shed a whole new light on the Democratic side. And then you had all the Republicans who kind of fell off, and you had Trump come through. It says that a lot of people are upset. Now, my point of view is that, uh, and my suggestion is my guy's guy's guide to all of you is that take a step back, inhale and exhale and release. And think about all the things that we have to be grateful for. If you're healthy, be grateful. If you have food on the table, be, be grateful. If you have a shelter, be grateful. I know the system is not set up in a fair and mindful way, but you still have a lot of things to be grateful for. If you think about it and tick off the list in your mind, you'll find plenty of things that keep you in the realm of being an extension of the God seed that was in you, that is within you, and also an expression of God. God really wants to express himself through us. And uh, if you think about that, don't get too wound up in this election stuff because who knows? I read some stuff which says that maybe Trump has just been put up as if to get Hillary in there. Who knows? There's so many points of view. There's so many opinions and so much negativity out there that I think the most important thing for the next 30 days is to stay positive, be appreciative of what you have, and be a beacon of positivity and light to foster change. I think a lot of the issues that have been buried are out there now. People are talking about climate change. People are talking about GMOs. People are talking about fossil fuels. People are talking about war and peace and love. And, and uh, how do we handle all the different situations, whether it's terrorism or refugees or whatever? There's a, social media with all the negativity that people have brought onto it is positive in a way is that it gets things out there, the, 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 the test for us. The challenge for us is to filter out the information and decide what's really important to who we are inside and to ascending our inner selves while witnessing what's going on on the outside. So with that, I want to talk about our guest, uh, Dr. Roger Teal. His book is called This Life is Joy, Discovering the Spiritual Laws to Live More Powerfully, Lovingly, and Happily. And it's a really cool book. Um, he helps us in this book, teaches readers to approach life through love, viewing our most difficult moments as part of rather than deviations from our path to understanding. And the book has three parts. Heal ourselves and our relationship with, the others, with others, find wholesomeness and self-love, and re reunite with our creative purpose and potential, and then overall experience the joys of generosity and forgiveness. And each chapter uh, has three sections, the essence, the experience, and the expression. So it's broken out pretty simply. It's got some great storytelling in there, and uh, it's a, a very uplifting read. Let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Teal, and then we'll bring him right on. Uh, he's, he's a great speaker, life-transforming speaker, a global spiritual leader, and he uses storytelling humor and practical spirituality. He's been transforming messages as well 
as in workshops, classes, businesses, national conferences to help empower people and lead them to their limitless potential to live dynamically. He's got a great background and as a global leader, uh, Dr. Teal served as chairman of the International Board of Trustees for Centers of Spiritual Living, and he's co-founder of the Association for Global New Thought. Um, he's, just, he's just a great guy, and he's got a positive message. So let's just bring him on here right now. Good evening, Dr. Teal. How are you? Hey, Robert. I'm great, and thanks for having me back. Oh, my pleasure. I mean, your book is fantastic, and I'm so pleased that uh, it's now out in paperback for everybody to be able to pick up a copy in that format. So congratulations on your success. Well, hey, thanks. And, you know, I'm just, you know, you were talking earlier about the stuff going on in the world, and what I'm about is not so much changing the world, but championing an emerging world. Uh, Something's trying to get birthed here, and sometimes there are the birth pangs, you know, and 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 so the book and what I'm all about is let let's not get so discouraged with crisis because our crisis is our birth and uh, it's leading us to to greater things because people are getting fed up and that's often the catalyst for true change. Mm-hmm. So do you see, uh, without getting deeply political, but just in terms of what's going on, some of the things I mentioned where you know a lot of things are coming to the surface. Uh, talk to us a little bit more about that and how you see that and how this election is kind of the precipice of what seems to be, you know, so many uh, people who are futurists or, and, and psychics and whatever saying there's like this huge change is going to occur very shortly. And it seems like to me the election is different than any other election that we've ever had. And so many issues that are have been uh, kind of uh, uh, festering are being brought to the surface now. And I, I got to think there's going to be some type of changes that happen after the election and uh, ongoing that, you know, there'll be some pains. But I think overall, in my opinion, that we're going to end up in a better place. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on the whole what's going on? <clears throat> well, I think we're witnessing uh, the death throes of an old paradigm uh, and an old paradigm of being an old way of being for humankind that is very fear oriented and antagonistic and and aggressive and violent, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes when when systems change, they first have to they first have to deconstruct to reconstruct. <clears throat> so I think we are witnessing the the an obsolete uh, paradigm and its dying gasps, and and it's it's uncomfortable because we haven't yet birthed uh, the new the new thing, you know, which which is I believe. The, the growing realization of how futile it is to, to stay in attack mode, that we can no longer afford uh, as human beings to be against one another. Uh, and, and we have to come together to, to handle the significant challenges that we face. And by the way, those challenges are an offshoot of the old paradigm, uh, of a kind of heartless paradigm. And my book, as you know, is really about the power that I experienced when I got around to opening my heart. And uh, I no longer uh, had to dwell in a sense of such insecurity and inadequacy. All of a sudden I realized I'm a whole person, I, and, and I bought into this whole idea that I wasn't. And um, so I, I think that we are really looking at um, a, a real shift in human awareness. And the more of us that camp onto that and don't get sucked into the current uh, polarities and the, the, uh, the, the divisiveness that's going on, the more we will start uh, start fostering. I think of it as midwifing 
this birth, mm-hmm. you know. We're helping it get birth. But if we just get pulled into it, we choose sides and stay in attack mode, then we're a part of what we need to grow out of, and we can do better than that. Tell us about, um, you know, you talked about your feelings of, and, and a lot of people have this, are stuck in these feelings of like, I'm not good enough or inadequacies. And as a kid, you kind of felt that way. And then you mentioned in the book that one day you were kind of kicking back and you were looking up at the trees and stuff and you kind of like kind of tripped out, if you will, where you became part of everything. And I, I actually, uh, and we might've talked about this last time you're on, but I've experienced that while I, uh, I'm a runner. And while I run in central park a couple of times, I was almost like I was the trees. I was the, sky i was the grass and just out of my body and whether it was the endorphins or whatever but tell us about how you experience this experience uh changed you and how uh everyday people can kind of get to that place well when i was young i thought it was an abnormal experience but i actually now know it to be a supremely normal experience in terms of who we really are you see the ego thinks it's a, a separate self and in that, it feels inadequate and fearful. And so it does everything to protect itself. Usually, they're nonproductive kinds of things. Uh, and uh, the biggest thing the ego does is defend against love. And so uh, here we are, we want love, but at the same time, the ego is petrified of it. Because Why it does it do that? Vulnerable. Why does the ego do that, doctor? Because the ego's biggest design is to protect us. It feels like we're inadequate to begin with. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's the mode of thinking that is always in the protective and the defensive mode. And so we defend against the best things in life, which is, which is love, because we think it's safer, you know. And uh, it seems irrational, but it's the deepest core of so many people's lives. And so I had a unitive experience. All of a sudden, because I was so young, you know, five or six years old, I hadn't built up all of the, the garbage and the protections we, we've all concocted over these years. And uh, I, I could slip into the field of oneness. You see, I think all of life is one, and the great masters have tried to teach that. Everything is of the one thing, and, and so it looks different, and, but it's all one field. And now science comes along and says it's one field of potentiality and, and consciousness. And, and, but we've forgotten that we are all one and that we are one with the creator as well. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I had that experience, and now, now my whole life is about uh, trying to serve that and honor that and help people awaken to the fact that uh, it's not out there. It's in here. It's within us. Now, help help us out with this. Um, you know, from what I have been reading, in your book included, um, is like, let me just use layman terms. And what I try to do for okay. our audience is kind of break it down real simple is that, you know, and I don't think a lot of people understand this or have considered this, but it seems to me that God wants to, exp- God is impartial and doesn't say, doesn't judge and say, you're right, you're wrong. It's all about, uh, experiencing God, experiencing Him or herself through us. Yes, is that is that how you feel? Absolutely. You know, I sense that we are created out of the divine. I mean, what else could we have cre- been created out of, except the very essence and and the spirit of of that which is the all uh, is God. And and why are we created? Because we're an avenue for the divine to reveal its potential and to experience itself. And, and to celebrate itself, you know, that's a radical thought for a whole lot of people who are moping around in life is that they're really here as a part of the celebration of the ultimate life source, mm-hmm. 
right. that has birthed them. And I always ask people, well, if that's the case, then are you showing God a good time you exactly. know, in your life? You now, know, if you, you... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, but I think that that's the, the key is, is that we're not trying to get religious here. We're getting down to some deep spiritual truths, and we're actually looking at what's ill in humankind. And what's ill is this idea of separation, this trance we've fallen into that we're separate from our source, we're separate from nature, and we're separate from one another. And so we, we end up in these egoic states of fear, and we, we mess up everything in life when we're created to be emissaries of light. I believe mm-hmm. we're actually beings of light and that we're here to – we're spiritual beings. We're spirits, and, and we're here to bring forth our, our high qualities, but we cover them up greatly. But we're in the process through experience of, of remembering who we are. Our experience is like feedback, biofeedback to us, spiritual feedback as to where we're hanging out in our, in our vibrations, in our awareness. And, you know, it's done unto us as we believe. So if we believe we're nothing, then we keep sabotaging our life over and over again. Mm-hmm. If we believe there's no hope, then we don't contribute to anything. So we've got to look at our, our deepest uh, inner structures. Now, if someone is saying, okay, I believe that God experiences in this oneness and God experiences himself or herself, whatever, through me, and you ask God, experience yourself through me. And when people do that, I think, and I know I have done that and I, uh, in the back of my mind, way back there, I'm saying, like, am I letting go too much? Am I supposed to be doing that or am I supposed to be taking charge? How do you how do you kind of balance that out so it, it, it works? It works for you in a really good way and makes you feel really good about it instead of you know, like, it's a am combination. I, mm-hmm. You know, I think it's both of what you very wisely have said there. There's, there's a, what's first to do is to get still and surrender. Mm-hmm. To get really still, still the chatter in our heads, still the, the, the cry of our emotions, still all the reports from around us and all the problems and all that, become still. Be still and know, it says. And then surrender. Surrender the idea that we know what to do. Surrender all of our notions and, and surrender our fears. Just really get still and, and, and become totally transparent and available. And then... What happens is we start, we start to get built up from within. It's like the universe responds and says, okay, hey, the cup is no longer all full, they, they, uh, full of ourselves, full of our ideas. They've, they've emptied out the cup. We can fill this, this being now. We can, we, the, the space has been made for inspiration and revelation. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when we start getting ideas and dreams and visions of a higher order. Then we use our skill sets to go out and be creators and to make them happen. But we got, got to do the listening and surrender first. Now, another thing that uh, you mentioned in the book is about outcomes, that part of the spirituality to, like, ascend. You have to be able to, uh, and we're such a goal-oriented society, and particularly in America, yeah. and particularly in New York City, everybody's like type A. So, uh, <laughs> you know, you mentioned letting go of one of the keys to ascension, if you will. I hope that's the right word for what we're talking about, but is to let go of the outcomes and trust in that you are going to get the, your inner growth as more important than your things that are happening on the exterior. Help us with how we can kind of process that because we're so conditioning to, you know, I have to score the basket or I have to get the raise or I have to do this by this time. And we're so, you know, everybody's on a schedule and we have these very immediate goals and uh, letting go of outcomes. You know, I want to take my brand really big and I really do because, and I want to be a messenger. And yet I 
I wrestle with, well, let go of the outcome and let yourself be guided. That's tough. How do you do that? <laughs> well, first of all, let me, say, let me say that, yeah, everybody is setting goals for what they want what they, and, and intentions for this and that and the other thing. Very few people set the goal of being simply fundamentally happy and joyful mm-hmm. and empowered from within. And so, you know, we get the cart before the horse uh, so effectively. Now, what I mean about um, not giving undue power to outcomes is that it is the way to heal ourselves. It is the way to begin to really love and support ourselves. Because here's the thing most folks have bought into, and that is that outcomes are important mostly because they validate us, they justify us, they make us okay. Mm-hmm. Because you know, many of us along the way got the, the input that, uh, hey, who you are isn't fundamentally okay. It's a, it'll be if you make enough money or if you have enough power or exactly. you get the right mate and all of that. That makes you okay. That makes you a worthy being. And so our worth has been based on these outcomes. And that's why for, for many in that, that scenario, it's so crushing when the outcomes don't show up. It's not just that things didn't turn out. It's that, it, that my whole quest – to, to know myself as okay and beloved just went down the tubes with it. And that's what makes it so excruciating. And I think that we've bought a lie. Nobody's worth is based on their outcomes. That's a lie. Are outcomes unimportant? No, they're not unimportant. For you to set goals to reach more people and support them, that's a beautiful thing. And to be willing also to be guided as to how to do that is an even better thing. But to, if that were, if you were doing it, because then finally you could be okay with yourself, and others might approve of you, that would be faulty motivation. Sure. But most people live like that, you know, and they and what they do really is they keep adding logs on the fire of I'm not enough, I'm not enough, I'm not enough. Um, because even if they do get desired outcomes, the challenge is that everything changes all the time anyway, you know, and so that falls away, and then they've. They're back on the gerbil wheel of trying to prove themselves, mostly to themselves. So I would just, you know, and then you know what? Then it, then they are scared, more scared to take risks the next time, because they, they beat themselves up so much when things didn't turn out the first time. And and you know, taking risks is really important. I've got a whole chapter in the book. This risk is great. Mm-hmm. But if our if we make outcomes the ultimate, we're not inclined to risk as much because the ego says, wow. I'm really this. I'm really at risk. My safety's at risk here, uh, because if it doesn't turn out, man, it's it's more than just things didn't turn out. And you know what? The truth is, we can always be winners no matter the outcome if we're dedicated to first of all loving ourselves no matter what happens and learning from the the blasted thing. Then then we're more able to go ahead and uh, go forward in our life. And it's really the way to begin to create a foundation for joy, and that's what the book's about. See, what if you're whole right now? You'd have nothing to prove. You have nothing right. to prove. You would live in an entirely different way. And, you know, that's the way we lived when we were kids, and we hadn't fully gotten into this, this madness that we've created. Well, it's, like, it's a system like uh, pins us into this financial thing also where, you know, you, a lot of people are, uh, I'm, I'm going to say most people, are driven by the finances, because people yeah. don't know how to save money or they don't know how to have their money, make money, whatever. And if you look at the statistics, I just read, you know, something on the Internet. Who knows if it's true that like 75 percent of people don't have a thousand dollars in a bank, which I was like, wow. Um, and wow. there's so many people in debt. And it's and it's true. 
that part is true. There's a lot of people who are just living in debt and it just continues and continues and continues. So I was at a, I went to the Jets game a week ago and I was talking to a couple of guys who were doing the whole tailgating thing. And I hadn't been there with a group of people for a while. And I was talking about, you know, what I'm doing now and then some a typical, more traditional business thing that I have. And, you know, one of my closest friends was like, all he wanted to talk about was that, well, you should do that. You should do that. You should do that. And I was thinking to myself, but that's, I would like to do that because that's fun. But the true, I have so much more pleasure and so much more joy coming from something where I may not be making the money yet. But as you say in the book, it is happening. You know, I believe this is where the real payoff is in terms of messaging for people and building something that's positive and something that really I connect with. So I, I think the point is it's just challenging for people to to do some of these things that you're suggesting because we're in a society that's so fenced in, so penned in by uh, lockdown expectations and measurements. And look what look what that society is producing right now. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, at some point, it's up to every one of us to opt out of that game and to start living in a new way, which is really from within out. And, you know, you mentioned the money problems many have. It's because of indebtedness. Now, of course, we've got a lot of financial and economic inequities in sure. our country and in the world, and those need to be mm-hmm. healed. But a lot of people are living in debt because they have been trying to buy their own happiness. They've been trying to get happiness through possessions and and, mm-hmm. and things such as that. And, and, again, it's that search for a joy out there when we've had it all along within us. And what people really buy is just fleeting momentary pleasure followed by pain when that changes. And so the real thing is to discover a joy that's innate to us, you know, and start living from that. Start living from a sense that I'm already valuable. There's a joy within me. And uh, so I live in a new way. You know, I'm more self-reliant, more independent. My values shift. I don't buy into the rat race that everybody's running. But that doesn't mean that, you know, that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, it, it's you're, it's like we're pioneers in saying, hey, the, the, the postmodern way of living um, is showing its faults here, and it's time for us to mark a new trail. Mm-hmm. Now, you've broken the, the part two of the book. The first uh, part of the book is Openings into Life Mastery, a short story kind of about your childhood, and then you get right into the seven pillars of truth, which is, to me, the foundation of the book. Uh, this instant is love. This being is light. This world is consciousness, this idea is substance, this relationship is oneness, this journey is surrender, this life is joy, and then a spiritual practice. How did you come about uh, uh, selecting these seven pillars and kind of building on them? Because they're very insightful, very helpful, and you start out with, uh, you know, your definition of of love and how the kingdom of God is within us. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting for folks to kind of digest this, but I got all this in in a very, very long, deep session of meditation. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't I wasn't going after it. Um it was actually a three or four hour uh time of meditation. Uh I was at um the healing center in Brazil of John of God. Mm-hmm. Um, he by the way was recently up in uh, Omega Institute there in your state. Oh wow. Um uh, <clears throat> at any rate I was sitting there in this long, long meditation, just praying for myself, for others that were going through, seeking their healing. And all of a sudden, the, the phrase, this instant is love, uh, came, came to me. And I, I came with such force, just such clarity. And I, I was moved to tears. And then 
then as I just was hanging out with that, others of these chapters started plopping in. It was as though I had become again permeable to this larger mind of which we're a part, and and it was showing me that, hey, right now this is love. Um, and the beings that are going through here, they're light. They're light. Mm-hmm. You think they're bodies, uh, but they're light. And this whole world is consciousness. And, you know, all of this started coming together. And then later on, the other things, the, the great challenges that are part of part three that, that people face, all of a sudden they started popping in. Um, like this fear is friend. It seems absurd, but then all of a sudden mm-hmm. I began to gain insight that fear is a friend telling us, we're not living in our hearts. It's a cue. It's a signal. And this problem is possibility. This judgment uh, is yearning. This conflict is forgiveness. This disease is discovery. And on and on. All these things popped in. And when the meditation session ended, I rushed out to a, a bench and, and started writing these things down furiously. And and uh, then later on, a couple of months later, I sheepishly showed them to my publisher. And I thought he'd say, no, no, no. This isn't where we're going. And And... Joel read them over, and he turned to me with tears in his eyes, and he said, you've got to write this. You've got to write this. So, you know, I just say, hey, thanks, divine whatever you call it, mm-hmm. God, love, infinite mind. And But, you know, I think that's our potential is to, like I said earlier, to let go, empty the, the cup of awareness, be still, and then all of a sudden the universe starts giving its gifts. So what are some good uh, tips for people? Like you've, you've had the uh, uh, opportunity, if you will, to see John of God, to spend numerous hours getting into deep meditations, and a lot of people are just scrambling around. And I always try to tell yeah, my listeners, yeah. like, try to carve out 15 minutes a day. I mean, I wake up every morning and I make sure I do the same thing because I, I think routine is actually good in some ways. And it makes me feel better when I do it. The first thing I do, the second I wake up, I say, mm-hmm. I am aligned with truth. And I think alignment, that's what I'm working on right now. It's just aligning myself with the right things. And then after that, I go through my own kind of, I am, I am going through my I am prem, prem, uh, presence with a lot of things, a lot of different people, a lot of different situations, a lot of the different things in my life. And by the, by the end of it, takes me about 10 minutes. I do it in my mind. And sometimes I kind of say it out, out, out loud. It, it makes me feel a lot better, but I make sure that I've carved out that time. And if nothing else, if I don't have any other time for, you know, just sit down and be quiet time during the day, I know I've done that every day. It's like taking a vitamin. What is your recommendation for people who are on the go and uh, they want to get into a spiritual practice, but you know, it's like, Find the time to swish coconut oil in your mouth for 20 minutes every morning. Just something. How do you, <laughs> how do you get the people to find the time, you know, this 15, 20 minutes a day to just start something? You know, uh, I really like your approach, and I want to even um, cut folks some more slack because, man, I know how busy people are right now, and it's getting crazier. And I think that's part of the, the opting out is do we really have to be this frenetic? Um, but I would I would suggest starting even shorter. I call them three minute miracles. Okay. If you can do a couple of three minute miracles during your day, and you could do it mostly every day, the cumulative value of really short sessions 
done with dedication is is tremendous. And I think some folks think you've got to spend hours and hours at this to really make any progress. I don't think so. You know, if you think about those steamships or, or ocean liners and stuff, uh, to turn them, mm-hmm. they, they just can't turn the wheel. They've got sure. they've got littler propellers called trim tabs, you know, and they make just these little little tiny incremental shifts, and they keep trim tabbing until they they eventually turn the 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 momentum where they need to go. And I think we need to trim tab. So to just sit still, become still, three minutes, and and just relax and tell yourself some important things. Like I like these three phrases that. That, that my f- friend Les Brown uses, um, and it's um, simply to say, I'm a miracle. I'm somebody. I'm a child of God. Now, he transformed the lives of inner-city youth by having them repeat that over and over again. I'm a miracle. I'm somebody. I'm a child of God. Mm-hmm. And as, as we do that in those three minutes to just surrender the fear, and to build up a sense of trust, like there's something working through me. If I can, if I can let it have a word in edgewise, if I can, if I can be aware of it just ever so slightly, I'm. I'll have some help for this day. I'll have some inspiration for this day, uh, some new energy for this day. And so, three minutes of just quietness, some sort of a declaration of, of higher truth, like I'm a miracle, I'm somebody. I'm a child of God, or whatever whatever mm-hmm. works, as long as it's positive and uplifting. And then go forth into your day. All of a sudden, you begin to build up collateral within you, you know, a powerful spiritual collateral. And if you'll just do that two, I would recommend three times, at, your, at, at the morning, the midday, and the evening. And just do those, you know, that's all of 12, nine minutes, not even ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody can carve out ten minutes. Um, I tell you, and doing it with cumulative impact is amazing. Now you, you mentioned an like all. That. That's fantastic, and thank you. Um, you mentioned in all three of those the words "I am," and a lot of people, yeah. uh, our listeners, you know, they they may have heard the "I am," you know, the whole idea of the "I am" presence, and but they're not sure exactly. Well, what does that mean? It's two words, "I am." Like, why is that so important? And could you just Give us a little one-on-one on the importance of the I, uh, being I am and then the I am presence and how you can incorporate that in your life as you uh, stated. Well, the I am is everyone's true spiritual essence. Uh, it's, it's your pure being, your pure consciousness. Um, when Moses got information from the burning bush, God speaking through the burning bush, mm-hmm. before he left, he turned to the bush and he said, now don't, don't, don't make me go down there and tell the people I've been talking to a burning bush. Who am I going to say has sent me? Mm-hmm. And, the, and the voice of God said, I am that I am. Tell them I am that I am has sent you. Which in language is probably the purest way of saying pure being, pure consciousness, pure mm-hmm. awareness has sent you. And so uh, the I am of the individual is the, the pure consciousness of, of who we are before we fill it with a bunch of junk. Uh, and so... To, to be careful about what you put behind I am is supremely important because it's one of the highest invocations we can we can express. So when you say I am and you, you speak something that is of the higher truth, it amplifies its power. But at the same time, we carelessly, because probably most folks don't know about it, have put all sorts of other stuff behind I am. 
You know, I'm weak, I'm miserable, I'm unattractive, I'm not creative, da-da-da-da-da. <clears throat> and not only are those toxic thoughts, but when we invoke the I am, we amplify the power of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's hugely important that people don't realize that, that, you know, as you said, that uh, thoughts are, thoughts are, you know, very important. But then when you add the I am to it, you're really putting it on steroids and you have to be really careful that's not exactly to right. put yourself yeah. down like I'm a jerk or whatever. You don't want to say things like that because uh, it, it, it's, it's more powerful than you could ever imagine. I think this is the, the part of the new paradigm that's emerging is that we re- we're realizing that we've been made to be creators and we need to use our creative uh, capacities at a higher and higher level. And people are finally awakening to that more and more and more. And uh, so, you know, thoughts are things. It's done unto us as we believe. And we can, we can start writing a new – it says also in the, uh, in the Bible, write the vision, make it clear. So we need to start imag- reimagining ourselves and reinventing our vision for the world as well. Mm-hmm. And it's out of that. Those are not just daydreams. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about a vision of great power. And it's, you know, we're either, um, as my friend Michael Beckwith says, we're either pushed by pain or pulled by a vision. So I ask the listeners, what are you? Are you, are you being just pushed by pain, um, digging in your heels mm-hmm. as you go? Or do you have right. a vision for your life? Mm-hmm. And I think we now, need to hold a vision for humanity right now, too, and for our country. Yeah, I think that if we, you know, if we can imagine ourselves in a place where, let's, for instance, war, instead of thinking about stopping war, ascend to a place where war doesn't exist. And if everybody has a collective consciousness in the world, then we can get above that. It seems like we keep getting pulled down into this muck. And the election to me is so symbolic of how things are getting dragged down. Every time people are working to ascend, it, we, we have something that pulls us back down. It's, and it's super important that we keep, you know, staying above the fray. And in my kind of opening comments, my real message was that don't let yourself get pulled down by what's going on. Think of the, you know, to think, put yourself in a place where that doesn't ex- can't exist. And then it won't. The collective consciousness if everybody in the world had a collective consciousness of only peace, there wouldn't be war. But I don't Absolutely. know if people really believe that, but I think you do. I, I know. I know it's the case because thought and perceptions and attitudes have, have created everything that's going on right now. And so if we get higher thoughts and more powerful attitudes and, and understandings, then we can create those too. Everything begins as an idea. Everything began as an idea. And, you know, some of the recurring ideas of, uh, um, of judgment and uh, bigotry and prejudice and the we-they kind of thing, mm-hmm. all of that lives in, as attitudes and thoughts, and that, that precipitates behaviors and, and creations in the world. So if we will shift the inner side of life, then, then things change outwardly. Mm-hmm. I mean, just look at what a, the, the, the apartheid process in South Africa centuries of discrimination all of a sudden shifted as yep. as they practiced Ubuntu, you know, listening to one mm-hmm. another and understanding the pain that had been created. And through that kind of compassionate listening, the mindsets of a whole country shifted out of mm-hmm. centuries of toxic darkness. You know, so 
if if that's possible there, it's possible anywhere and everywhere. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm talking with uh, the Skies Guys Radio. I'm talking with Roger Teal, author of the book, This Life is Joy. Um, just a couple more questions, Dr. Teal. Um, you also sure. you talked about aligning a little bit. And, uh, you know, it's a concept I'm working on it right now. And I've been doing my work for a number of years. And I, you know, I keep slugging away. And now I'm at the point of really aligning myself to the things. So the alignment will do the work, if you will. So instead of thinking about, I want this, I want that or whatever, I'm aligning I'm aligning myself to abundance. I'm aligning myself to positivity. I'm aligning myself to what's true for me, which is being part of that God seed and the divine being. So for our listeners, how can they start to use the concept of alignment in their day-to-day lives to enrich their uh, experience? Part of what uh, a consciousness of fear does is force, force everything manipulate mm-hmm. everything, seek to control. Um, what we need to really do is move into power. You know, David Hawkins wrote a great book, Power Versus Force. And when, uh, whenever there is fear present, then it's some degree of forcing. But that force doesn't have authentic power in it. And so we need to begin to uh, open, live in a consciousness of love. And this isn't romantic love or mental love or emotional love or sexual love. We're talking about spiritual love, which is the very essence of the divine. And, mm-hmm. as, we, and, and, and as we center in that and start loving ourselves, we, we can begin to move into power. And so power doesn't seek to try to force things to happen. Power aligns with what is true. You know, the mm-hmm. truth is there is abundance available for everyone. We don't have yes. to force it or fearfully grasp after it. And, and the more we do that, it's kind of like mercury. It's, it runs away from us. Exactly. Because the deep conviction is I don't have it and i got to get it. But your deep conviction is always going for you, before you to manifest itself. And so if you're convinced you don't have it, no amount of forcing is going to get it because your don't have consciousness is driving it away and manifesting itself. So what we get to do is align with what's true, what's so. What's so is that abundant ideas and possibilities are everybody's birthright and we're in the midst of them right now so you align with the truth of this abundance and it can begin to be attracted to you and and flow through you and it's a very radically different way of of designing our lives we Mm -hmm. align with love we align with um, abundance we start aligning with peace we're not forcing anything to happen we're just cooperating with what's the highest truth and letting it work through us. And mm-hmm. I tell you what, life gets a whole lot more fun when we do it this way. Uh, it's, it's a ver- much more graceful way to live. But, you That's know, a it's a hard – I've got to tell you, Robert, I know it, it's a hard sell for folks. It's a hard sell because it sounds like it's um, just wishing and hoping and waiting around and, and not being active, you know, the type A, go out and make it happen. Right, yeah, exactly. Well, you know um, – there's a lot of deficits to that approach to life. What, uh, last question for you, Dr. Teal. What, uh, what, just personally, what's been your biggest challenge since you've gotten on your, let's call it your spiritual journey for your life? What's been, what's been the biggest challenge for you in terms of, you know, keeping it, keeping your, you know, the car on the road, if you will. I mean, you're a human being. I'm sure you've had, Absolutely. you know, your own challenges and all that. What's been the toughest part of this for you? Because the spiritual path is a tough path because you have to, you know, sometimes forego at certain periods of time, 
you know, finances or whatever, you're going in a different direction and things, you know, if you're on the right path, things work out the way they're supposed to work out and can continue to get better and better as you ascend. But it's not always easy. So I'm just use finances as an, as an example, but what's been the biggest challenge for you on your spiritual path? I think I'm, I'm, I'm just like most folks listening. Uh, and I'm going to add, I'm, I'm going to give myself two of them. <laughs> the first okay. is remembering that I'm a being and not, I'm a human being, not a doing. Mm-hmm. And to really pull out of the, the, so much of the sense of doing this and efforting and remember, remembering what we've just been talking about, that it starts with being, you know, remembering to open my heart, remembering to have some stillness so that I can really align with the divine mind and all its possibilities and, and letting, letting myself be led by grace. Now, that's the first thing. The other thing that's been difficult is that I, I teach a, a, a spirituality that's non-traditional. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it cuts against the grain um, of belief systems out there. And um, people are fiercely defending belief systems. That's true. Um, <laughs> fiercely defending, even yeah. if they don't, even if they haven't paused to think about them. It's just, um, if, you're, if you're offering a different perspective... A they're lot afraid of, of being wrong. Well, that's they're afra- different. Yeah, they're 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 afraid that. Uh, excuse me for interrupting, but I think they're afraid of realizing that. Oh my God, I've been wrong. Yet, if they have been and they figure that out, it's a better thing for them. But people don't want to. You know, it's an ego thing, I guess. That like, oh my God, I've been, I've been living under this guise of something that's not true. Well, yeah. now you can be true. Now you can find truth. But people don't it's see like it that it, way because they see time as a horizontal instead of vertical, I guess. Yeah, and, and it's it's being willing to let go of, of old assumptions and, and mm-hmm. ask some deep questions and and explore and open up. Uh, so that, that's been kind of a challenge um, because I know who among us doesn't like to have everybody agree with us, you know? Sure. Um, but, you know, there's a growing wave. I'm noticing, and I bet you are too, Robert, that there's a – a growing wave of people not only questioning but really realizing that you can open up to a, a profound new dimension of spirituality, but it doesn't have to toss out your traditions. It doesn't have to um, – it's not about destroying. It's just – it's like drawing a bigger circle around your former circle. It's not – you still include your former circle. You're just opening up to some new ideas. And then that's helped people say, okay, I don't have to give up saying I'm a Presbyterian or I'm, I'm a Jew or I'm a this or I'm a that. I said, no, no, no. And in fact, if you explore some universal spirituality, you might even find yourself becoming a better Jew and a better Presbyterian, a better mm-hmm. Catholic or a better whatever, you know. And uh, so I, that's, I, but I feel that wave of, of greater openness happening. I think it's because people are looking at uh, we need some new ways. We need some new mm-hmm. ideas. Well, listen, Dr. Teal, I mean, you're an inspiration and I'm an admirer of your, your work. And you know what? I went through the uh, paperback after I read the hardcover a couple, you know, last time we spoke. And I got so much more out of it the second time because it started to weave together some of the things I've been personally working on. I'm like, wow, he's mentioning that. Wow, he's mentioning that. So it's a book that works for the reader in a lot of different layers, whether you're just getting into, you're dipping your toe into spirituality, or if you're on a path and you want to get further down the path, this is a great book. And I thank you, uh, first of all, for being on the show and just being a great guy and also for this uh, message that you put together in this book and anything I can do to help you get the word out there, 
I'm happy to do. And thank you, basically. Tell us, where, tell everybody where they can find you, your book and your website and all that stuff. Well, the book's on Amazon uh, or, or other places like that, in both paper and digital. Um, but they can go to my website, rogerteel.com, that's T-E-E-L.com, or my spiritual center is milehighchurch.org. But the high is just H-I, not mm-hmm. H-I-G-H, milehighchurch.org. And right. uh, lots of resources and possibilities there. And, and listen, Robert, you're doing some great things in the world, and I really feel your energy and your growth. And thanks for contributing as well. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Teal. And also, you're on Twitter, so everybody should know, uh, Roger W. Teal, twitter.com slash Roger W. Teal. So I'll make sure I follow you, and we'll stay in touch. And I really thank you for being on the show, and I love your message, and I thank you for that. Absolute honor. Have fun. Be well. (laughs) Okay, everybody. That's our show for this evening. Our guest was Dr. Roger Teal. Again, the book is This Life is Joy, and it really helps people of all different levels of, uh, you know, getting into spirituality. I put that word in quotes, but living a better life and a more joyful life. And who doesn't want that? And it's really very helpful. So we're, we're thankful for Dr. Teal for being our guest this evening. Uh, I also want to thank all my listeners. We're approaching our 200th podcast. We've got a lot of great guests coming up in the next couple of weeks. We've got Lance Secretan is coming back uh, next week. And we've got a couple of relationship experts and, uh, some authors and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun and uh, I, I welcome you all. If you're listening anytime you want with a question for myself or my guest, call us up at three, four, seven, nine, four, five, five, eight, three, four for any of the shows. And then you could also download uh, the shows, any of them. They're all uh, posted on again, iTunes, block talk radio, tune in radio and stitcher. And uh, most of all, I wish you a great week, uh, health, happiness, and remember that, guys, guys, finish first. <laughs>